You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith, and today we're joined by uh, Dr. Nina G. Dr. Nina G., thank you so much for agreeing to join with us today. All right, so just so our audience gets a little bit of an idea of who we have the pleasure of speaking with today, uh, Nina G is a comedian, a professional speaker, a storyteller, a writer, and an educator. She brings her humor to help people confront and understand disability culture, access, and empowerment. Nina shares her wit and wisdom with corporations, colleges, community and disability awareness events, and media interviews. Uh, you can find her at ninagcomedian.com where you can see her upcoming shows and appearances, and then you have also authored a book. Um, Tell us a little bit about the book. Seems interesting. Yeah, well, I actually have two books. Um, my my next book comes out August 6th, and that is to Stutter Interrupted, The Comedian Who Almost Didn't Happen, which is the story about my journey to become a stand-up comedian and my experience of stuttering, which I also have dyslexia and other learning to disabilities so that is a big part of my story too and my in my very first book was a children's book called once upon an accommodation which is a book about how to teach kids who have low learning to disabilities how to advocate okay so in a corporate setting i think we're getting better at uh um universal design in corporations but what are some of the biggest obstacles um folks with disabilities face in in the workplace you know i think the one thing that i I mean our technology now is so good like i don't need dragon dictate at my desk at my job because i can talk into my google phone or my google app and then it shows up on google docs and i can straight up dictate it like that now it's not the most uh, efficient way sometimes i do use dragon but sometimes that slows down my computer so there are all these technologies that are free that people use on their own that they can just bring into their jobs so i think a lot of times people think accommodations are going to cost money and there's going to be a lawsuit and all of this you know everyone needs to calm down and talk to the person who actually needs the accommodation and so i would say more than anything across all disabilities, the most common uh, uh, barrier is people's attitudes, because that is something you can't build a ramp for, you can't do an accommodation for. It's, you know, sometimes I'll see people do an eye roll when I'm doing a presentation because I'm stuttering. So it's those kinds of things. And I think, I think corporate America has a has a way to do all of that stuff, but I don't think we have really applied accessibility into our workshops and really thinking of it that way. And universal design is it when it's applied 
to presentations is taking ramps that we see in the environment, but ramping up our presentations to make them accessible to everybody. Because the things that you do for someone who is deaf or someone who is blind or someone who uses a wheelchair or someone who has dyslexia or whatever is going to help everybody, especially, especially in an international environment where you have a lot of different language groups and people who may have English as a second, third, fourth, fifth language. Sure, absolutely. So part of it is, is training in the attitude. Um, what are some ways that you've seen work uh, when it comes to teaching people uh, how to improve their attitude and, and, and uh, work with all kinds of people? I think the best way is to hire people who have a disability because what the research says is your attitudes change the more you're around people with a disability. So I would say hire them and that is probably some of the best training, but also kind of knowing what to do, what not to do. There's that whole area around microaggressions uh -huh. and just being in, in, in microaggressions being the intentional or the unintentional. It's almost always unintentional things. And it's like one, one of my favorite examples of one was once I, I, I as a comedian, I go in and I do a lot of um, comedy, but I've also done presentations a lot too. And I did a presentation. This was not in comedy. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you are such an inspiration. If I talked like you, I wouldn't talk at all. Oh. No, no, that's not a compliment. No. And so it's those kinds of things. Like on the right day, I could laugh it off. On the wrong day, I want to go to the bathroom and cry or, or, or I get angry or something like that. And so those are the kinds of things to just be considerate of that and to be considerate of events, to be considerate of workshops that everybody can participate equally. So if you are doing a ropes course, there are ropes courses that are accessible and to think those things through and not everybody has that, you know, the 27 year old able bodied that you sometimes see in a corporation and you need some variation there. Absolutely. Um, so we want to talk a little bit more about learning. So a lot of our audience cares about uh, learning and development, uh, especially. Um, I have no experience in this, to be completely frank with you. So what do, where do we start when it comes to delivering learning in an accessible, in a more accessible way? I think that there's some very like tangible things like not everybody takes notes and that could be because they have dyslexia like me um, and it's hard to, and it's hard to multitask. It could be because they have a difficult time writing, or it could be that they are just a super auditory learner and they don't need to take notes, but it would be nice if they had something at the end of it. And so if you give out your PowerPoint or you give out some key, some key things that then people will have those, they can take notes if they want to, or they don't do they can just sit there and focus so that is one thing to consider another is if people are blind or dyslexic they may want handouts in a different kind of a format and it's so easy to do that now which is you just send ahead uh, the article or whatever you're trying to bring to the meeting in in an in an e for format so it could be that 
it is in Word or it's in a searchable PDF. So then the person can read that with their with their text-to-speech reader. And that's actually how I read a lot of my stuff. Like all my books, I read text-to-speech. So that, um, and it sounds like a computer voice sometimes, but some people prefer a more human-like voice. So that is another way. And to just ask people what they need. Whenever I do a training, I just say, what do you, to, to, tell me about yourself. Like, I want to know what you do here. I want to know how you learn best. And if you have any lo lo learning needs and what you want to get out of this workshop. And for me, then I can adjust to whatever there is. Um, and it's not a big thing. It doesn't have to go through some process. Everybody has a learning need. Just some of ours are documented and some aren't. So, uh, I was talking to someone at a trade show uh, about a year ago, and they asked if we had. So we have a, a big video content library. Um, that's one of like sort of our bread and butter uh, of training topics. And they asked if we had like deaf accessible training, uh, and I mentioned that everything we have has subtitles. Uh, but sometimes it's not enough. She said that sometimes um, like American Sign Language isn't like a one to one translation necessarily uh, of English to American Sign Language. So um, what are some other things like? like that i mean how important is it that we get that kind of stuff but then what are some other things maybe we need to anticipate that we haven't really thought about because we haven't been in that situation ourselves yeah i mean i think it working with the deaf community what i have noticed the more that i got to learn and the more that i got to learn the more that i got to learn the more that i learned that i don't know anything <laughs> and so i think that it's really important that to know as a hearing person, you're gonna have your limits in this. And that if you really wanna reach that population, you probably wanna talk to that population and to see really what's going to work. And if it's only a couple people in a corporation that are deaf, that is great. You can work with them, but maybe ask them what, ask them what they want. And a lot of times English, it is, uh, sign language is a different language. It is different syntax for grammar. It is a bunch of things. A lot of times the grammar's on, uh, on your face. And so, you know, if you're talking in a very monotone way and you're not having any expression on your face, that is not a super deaf friendly way to go. Um, I am Italian American and I dug a lot with my hands. And even though sometimes that can be a distraction, um, it I, I've been told that I am an easy lip read and all of that stuff, but not all deaf people can lip read equally. So that is a whole other thing. Um, I think one aspect to training people though, is to be the, the, the visual, the deaf culture is very, very the, the, visual it is a visual language and so if you can have things that describe your concept i think that is very helpful absolutely so uh in your experience i know you've consulted with corporations and, and things like that what are some of the the most accessible corporations you've seen and what are they doing right uh, on top of everything we've discussed 
You know, I think like I did a keynote for MGM for the hotels there. And the person who contacted me was a person with a, with a di disability. They had somebody in leadership there who has a di disability. And I think when you can make room for people to grow and to have leadership, it will come from a very authentic place instead of a place of, well, it's October and disability month, I guess we have to do something. Uh, and so, you know, and it's just like for LGBT or for um, culture that you want somebody in the driver's seat who's from that community. So that is where there also needs to be a pipeline to those jobs. And if corporations can consider internships for people with di disabilities and mentoring within a corporation, all of those things I think are very important for the development so that people can get to that spot. So uh, let's talk about one that's obviously personal to you, uh, which is the title of your book. What is it what is stuttering in the workplace? Um, what are some of the challenges and what's your experience? Just tell us everything. All right. Uh, you know, I think there are different aspects as you develop as an employee. One is at the job interview. Like I will disclose at the job interview because it's there. I can't fake it that good. Uh, and, and I could fake it because, well, okay. So first of all, so, so stuttering is a brained it right now what we know about it is that there is part of your brain on the left side that's right next to Broca's area that has a sensitivity there so when we talk we stutter but if you are like Mel Tillis or if you are like Bill Withers who were both singers who stuttered they are fluent when they sing because that is a different function in the brain Oh, wow. Yeah, so there was the movie about that, uh, The King's Speech, I think it was called? Yes, and The King's Speech got a lot of stuff right, and it got some stuff wrong, because it was 1930 science, uh -huh. um, and what they implied in that was that he stuttered because of trauma. If, if stuttering was caused by trauma, we have a lot more people who stutter because people who stutter are one they are one percent of the population and so it's not caused by trauma it's caused by a difference in the brain by genetics by um you know the and, and stress can bring it on at a certain time but it's not like it is that that you stutter because of that uh -huh. and i think you know on job interviews what i say is I walk in, they ask me the first question. I say, well, just before we start, let me tell you that I stutter and you're just going to have to wait for all of the brilliant things that I have to say. And it's my way of kind of trying to be funny. It's my way of telling them to shut up. It's me giving very direct instruction about how this ought to go. And, and that for me has worked, but everybody kind of needs to find their thing. And then once on the job, I think as long as people 
or a way or to let us finish our sentences to like a lot of times I say that it's uh, it turns into um, what's the game show uh, where uh, it, it's a price is right uh-huh. where I, where the person is trying to think up what to say and people are are in the background yelling what to say so sometimes i'll be stuck in it like that and people will say is it is it pizza or is it popcorn or is it pumpernickel and i know just let me finish (laughs) and so that for me is important that you don't take away my voice so there's that um but i think in the workplace that some people are comfortable doing presentations, some people not. A lot of times people who stutter have joined Toastmasters. And actually I have joined a Toastmaster to keep myself loose in between presentations. Um, I consider it my gym. And, um, and, and a lot of people who stutter have gone to Toastmasters because it's not like a person who stutters can't be a good communicator. That is a stereotype that we can't be. and in the workplace to if people will just let us have that space do not interrupt us there and there's a lot more to our stories but i think that is the basic thing that needs to happen in the workplace gotcha wow well thank you for sharing yeah so uh yeah oh and one more thing i'm so sorry no of Um, course also, the Na- Na- National Stuttering Association has done a lot of work in this area, and their website is wesustutter.org, and Pam Mertz is the one who is spearheading that, and she's been amazing. There's some great videos online about people talking about their jobs and about the accommodation process and, and how to talk about stuttering in the workplace. So that is a great resource. Okay. So we need to take a holistic approach when it comes to accommodation uh, for different people, uh, starting at the interview and then onwards throughout the life cycle of an employee. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We do appreciate it. Unfortunately, we're getting short on time here. I do want to ask, is there anything you think we've missed that is really important for our audience to know? I know we've covered a lot, but what are some final thoughts you'd like to leave people? You know, I think when you're doing presentations to just consider people who learn in a visual way, in an auditory way, and in a kinesthetic way. And what I found is trying to adapt to people who have ADHD, people who are blind, people who are deaf, people who have dyslexia, that the more ways that you can integrate good teaching and good learning is going to result in a good presentation. And that is where dynamic teaching happens. And I think that's something that we can all bring into the workplace and learn about. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate all your time today. Thank you. Absolutely. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at bizlibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.